Hello, Charlie Gladstone here, and welcome to the first of a number of special editions of my Some Good Mavericks podcast. I'm calling these editions Love in the Time of Coronavirus because I'm trying to explore people's ideas about what good is going to come out of this strange time that we find ourselves in. On Saturday, and we're now on Monday the 6th of April, I sent out a series of emails to friends asking for some answers to some specific questions so that I could create a special podcast. I've had loads of replies back and so I've decided that I will make this into a number of different editions, probably of about half an hour each. The questions were the same for everyone and they were these. Where are you and who are you with? What good do you think will come out of this mess? And please tell me something really good you've discovered, found again or started doing recently. So it's just those three questions for everyone and I've had lots of responses. Initially I thought I would edit the responses down and make quite a fast-paced podcast but actually having listened to the first seven or eight that have come in I feel that people are taking time to say things that are considered, of course, but in a very measured way. And so I'm not going to edit these down particularly. I am not going to rush this. Maybe we could call this slow pod or slow cast or something like that. If you're in a hurry, it probably isn't the podcast for you. Some people are going to speak for several minutes quite slowly, but I do know for certain that each of these responses is that of someone worth listening to and I believe that each one of them is interesting. I'll intersperse those with a few thoughts of my own but just to start with I think we will go to Dr. Freddie Baverstock will be known to a number of those of you who come to the Good Life Experience for his talk there in 2019 And this year, he is going to be the book doctor at The Good Life Experience, giving away several hundred books paid for by us at The Good Life Experience to people in lieu of medicine. Freddie studied American literature at Oxford University, where he did his PhD, and then went into branding, and then gave up branding, took a 90% pay cut, and is now a teacher at a school in London. And this is what... Freddie answered to my questions. Hi Charlie, it's Freddie here, um, answering your questions for you. This is fun. So I'm currently in my house in Brockley, in South East London, um, where I'm blessed to have uh, a garden. So I'm very lucky about that, spent a lot of time in the garden today. And uh, I'm sharing this house at the moment with my stepdaughter young teenager, and my two daughters who come and go between this house and uh, their mum's house. I think quite a lot of good is going to come out of this crisis. It's forcing a lot of people to slow down and reflect upon the insane world we've built. I mean, I certainly have spent the last few years with a mounting sense of dread and panic about the world we're passing on to our children. Um, in particular the unsustainable rate of development and world travel and so forth. And I think having those things slowed down, uh, hopefully, will 
enables certain people to reflect upon whether they're really necessary and really desirable. So that's what I'm hoping for. And in terms of the good things that I've discovered, the, the big surprise for me actually has been the extent to which I've spoken to my family on the phone. In recent years, I've become rather fed up with text culture, WhatsApp culture, because it seems to have superseded people actually speaking in person. And since this crisis has happened, we've all been speaking together a lot more. Um, for example, between my siblings and myself, we've taken upon ourselves to make sure one of us calls our mother at least once a day. And although she's on her own, completely isolated at the moment, I think in a weird sort of way, we're kind of enjoying talking to each other as much as we are. And I speak to my sisters and it's really quite rewarding. So that's one thing I'm hoping that we will carry forward. Actually, we can wean ourselves off this habit of, of texting each other and actually pick up the phone a bit more often and remind ourselves of who these important people are in our life. And I think that's it from me. Fairly simple, but that's probably a good thing. Um, missing you loads, Charlie. Um, I'm very impressed with your, your spirit and your resilience and all those things. Anyway, lots of love to you, mate. Thanks, Fred. I said that I would suggest a few things that I've enjoyed, and I think I'll probably start with just mentioning a few books that I've read recently. I was actually quite pissed off at the Times and the Guardian, whose culture sections, when this whole hideous virus first hit, were just full of lists of long books and long films that we could all watch when we were in hibernation, which seemed to me to be a pretty lame way of recognising what was actually going on in people's lives and that at that point most people were thinking about their jobs and their businesses and their family and their futures and not about knuckling down to reading War and Peace or whatever. So I don't, I don't suggest that all of you listening to this are just completely free of work at the moment. I know that I've been working harder than I've ever worked in the last few weeks. But here are a couple of books that I've really enjoyed. If you're ever lucky enough to walk past a Daunt Books, of course, you should go in. There are a number of Daunts in London. The one on Marylebone High Street is, I think it's the original, it's certainly my favourite. And they often have whole windows dedicated to one book. And recently they had whole, two whole windows dedicated to two different books and I bought them both and they were both absolutely brilliant. The first is called Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson and it's the most beautiful, life-affirming, very human, gentle and moving book about a slightly chaotic girl who looks after two children who are prone to spontaneously combust. It's, it's extremely funny but, it, but it's also very moving. It's pretty easy to read. And, and Kevin Wilson also wrote what was a New York Times bestseller called The Family Fang, which you may well have heard of as well. But I highly recommend that. And then in the other window was a book called Winter in Sokcho, S-O-K-C-H-O, by someone called Eliza Schuert Dusapin, D-U-S-A-P-I-N, or Dusapin. Maybe I was trying to be a bit French there. Oh, 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 oh. But this is a wonderful book, translated from 
the Korean into English. It's a first novel and it's a strange, almost sort of enigmatic love story uh, about a very bleak life in a very bleak city, but about hope in all of that. And actually, I highly recommend it. Very unusual. Uh, talking of publishing, I asked Miranda West of the amazing Do Book Company to contribute to this podcast. Turns out that she's massively busy because so many bookshops have had to close and Amazon have run out of most of her books. And so she is packaging all of the Do Book orders, which have climbed dramatically in the last few weeks by herself. So she didn't feel she had time to give this the attention she felt it merited, but she did send me this. Hi Charlie, it's Miranda here from Do Books. I'm at home with my husband Matt and two children. I just wanted to say thank you so much for asking me to take part in the podcast, but believe it or not, I'm actually busier than ever. Um, it's ridiculous. Now the shops have closed, we're actually finding that more orders are being routed to our website. So today I've actually got 100 orders to fill from our front room once more stock arrives. Um, I can't ask anyone from our team to go into the office because I can't. So uh, we're just having to sort of knuckle down really and get on with it. Um, what's amazing is that there's a real appetite for the books at the moment, which is we're just so pleased to see um, from sourdough to growing your own veg to preserving, uh, not to mention, of course, do pause and books like Breathe, which hopefully are just really helping people. Um, so we're keen to get books out as quickly as possible. Um, and we're just so grateful to our community, actually, for keeping us going at the moment. Um, with the shops closed, uh, it's just been so much harder for people to get hold of things like books and I know that they're such a lifeline for people, so just keen to keep them moving. Um, also, I'm welcoming Sasha to our team this week, who is our first ever full-time member of staff, who will obviously be working from home. So anyway, looking forward to um, coming out the other side, but it's lovely having this time at home with the family as well. So take care and hopefully see you soon. Bye. I've always thought that things that take time to engage with are the best. In particularly, I think I felt this in music. I think that some of my favorite albums have taken me ages to get into. And so as this is a slow pod or a slow cast, and it is also a love in the time of coronavirus podcast, I want to talk about some very long albums that it took me quite a long time to get into, but that still really live with me today. I think the most maligned one of those is probably The Clash's Sandinista, which was recorded in 1980 after London Calling. In many ways, it might just be their album that stands the test of time best, I think. I really like their first album. I didn't like the second one much. Um, I love London Calling, although I can't actually bear to listen to the title track anymore. It's just been everywhere for so long. Then came Sandinista, which was wonderful, and then a couple of what I consider to be really grim albums. Um, God, I can't even remember what the one's called was Should I Stay or Should I Go on it. Is it Combat Rock? I think it is, um, which I absolutely loathe. Um, but Sandinista is a remarkable album. It's probably best to approach it initially just by finding the best tracks and listening to those, because there's certainly, although it's a triple album, there's certainly a single album of really, really good music on there. 
My favourite two tracks are Charlie Don't Surf and The Magnificent Seven, and they'd be really good places to start. It is, it is anyway, I think, a wonderful album and a difficult album and a long album. And although I think great pop music is often connected with brevity, this is an exception. So um, definitely give that a try. Now, moving on, Steve Chapman is an artist that I admire enormously. And he is going to be the artist in residence at the Good Life Experience this year, 2020. We haven't yet decided exactly what that means or what he's going to do, but I know that it'll be interesting because one of the things that I find quite remarkable about Steve is his restless creativity and his way of seeing the world from slightly different angles to everyone else. If you follow him on Instagram where he is Steve XOH, then you will know that every day at the moment he's coming up with a new animation or drawing and um, they're all absolutely wonderful and you can actually buy those on his website for 15 quid which seems crazy. I bought three last week, um, almost the best 45 pounds I have spent all year. Anyway, I asked Steve for his answers to this and here they are. So where am I and who am I with? Well, I'm in my Literally, currently, as I record this, I'm in my studio, little studio at the end of my garden in um, in Surrey, in Isha, in Surrey, which is just outside of London and just inside the M25, which is a nice balance for me because if I'm too far from a, a city, I start to freak out a bit. But I also don't want to be in a city, so it's a nice balance. So I'm in my studio, which isn't very big. Um, I've actually renamed my studio the the Art Bunker um, for the duration of lockdown because I'm literally spending probably from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. in here every day, just making stuff. Um, and it's not it's not particularly big, but I've got everything I could possibly need in here. And I don't mean like toilet roll and and dry pasta, but I've got spray paints, I've got pens, I've got um, a scroll saw and wood that I can cut things up. I've got tiles, and then I've just got weird, random stuff that I can, I can make things out of. I can make puppets and masks, various art books and things. So I'm quite at home in here. But I'm not literally on my own. in In the house is my wife, Kath, who's a photographer, and my daughter, Maya, who's just coming up to her thirteenth birthday. Um, which is interesting because we had all sorts of amazing things that we thought we'd do. Um, that she's probably going to spend her thirteenth birthday with us. And then there's also Poppy the dog, who's a four-year-old cockapoo, who's, um, yeah, she's probably the most stable out of all of us in this at the moment. So what good do I think will come out of this mess? Well, I think, I think the honest answer is I don't know. And that, that's an okay answer for me, because I don't think any of us could, could possibly know. Um, but I guess something that, that I'm probably more sure about is whatever the new normal we establish it won't be the same as the old normal and a lot of anxiety I see um, I mean there's obviously anxiety around health and around loved ones and around uh, around all of those things which is fair enough um, and at the same time there's a lot of anxiety that I see at the moment is through people trying to recreate the old normal online 
or trying to recreate the old normal sort of attachment to getting back to the old times which is i understand why but i think that just fuels anxiety either that or an anxiety that's coming out of anticipating when normal will return as if it's going to be the same as before and i don't think it it possibly could be but some of the things that i i hope i guess if things that i hope would be different is that this has been a bit of a sobering wake-up call as to what it means to be human and what community means um that i mean even in even in our little street we've sort of looked out for each other a little bit more and even though we have to keep two meters there's a sort of knowing i see you you see me glance that 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 people are having and I, I hope that I hope that community and empathy will 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 hold on to that and there's also the we've seen the evidence around how much in a short period of time we've reduced emissions and pollution uh, particularly in our cities so I, I'd hope that that is a good reason to not just get back to what normal was before that we can do something and maybe we can strike a more healthy balance with all of that but I also hope that uh, this has an effect on on politics, on on society, and the bigger notion of society. Because the thing that the thing about this is that everyone's in it together. Um, wealth, seniority in an organisation, none of those things can make make you immune to being impacted in, in this in some way. And at the same time, those without are suffering more. Those that were already relying on food banks and on the breadline and don't have home and shelter and that and around the world are suffering more within this. So whilst we're all in it together, I think where we are at the moment is highlighting some of the inequalities and divisions in society. And I'd hope that the fact that we've just been hit in the face with those right now will either make government or or politicians in general um act on that or at least provoke society to take action in some way um, i hope a lot of activism like positive activism comes out of this and i also think one of the things that that it's done and i've had a couple of coaching clients i've spoken to about this is a pause moment to for people to reevaluate what's important to them um, people may leave their jobs. People may do other things. It's um, but people started to do creative things. People started to paint, to to draw, to do gardening uh, because there's nothing else to do, and actually finding a love for it. So I hope that the balance between work, I'm doing inverted air quotes, you can't see it, work and play starts to sort of blend into one thing that's just life after this. And something really good I've discovered or found again or started doing. Well, bizarrely, I mean, I wouldn't want the, the suffering, um, the, the death, the anxiety that all of this is bringing about. Of course, I wouldn't want that. And for me personally, I found a like creative sweet spot in this because the fact that I really I can't do anything about it um, and I don't have any of my normal work that takes me out of the house um it's just meant i felt less guilty about pissing around and making stuff and prolific <laughs> my, my my drawings become prolific um 
to take time like to I made I spent all day making um, a Spider-Man costume and uh, and a video of this weird Spider-Man doing a prize draw for a one minute video on Instagram the other day without a single sense of guilt that I should be doing something else. So uh, I, I've discovered that the removal of this guilt that I should be doing something else has sort of liberated me a bit more. And one of the things that I've loved most about it is um, for all the downsides of social media, of spreading fake news and, um, well, we all know the downsides of social media. I still, still find such positive interactions through Instagram um, of sharing my art and my art touching people um, and a number of people sending me stuff saying, yeah, this has been a resource, this brightens my day, please carry on. And on the back of that and on the back of losing all of my paid work sort of within the space of a few weeks, like conference talks and things like that, um, I thought I'd do an experiment and just sell the art from my Instagram posts um, in a little shop. So any drawing that I do, every Thursday I put in my shop all the original pictures for it at an affordable price, so £15 means I earn a bit of money, but it also means I can facilitate free global postage, and I've been sending these things like to to the US, to Hong Kong, and, and all around. And, and I didn't think anyone would be interested, but literally within the space of like three hours at least, like a third or half of the stock goes. Um, so that has made me think that maybe this is something that I want to come out of it as well, that maybe there is a different way that I can live my life. That if I can just provide for myself and my family, and we, we live way below our means anyway, through making stuff, through creating stuff, and through selling it and giving it away directly to those that love it, and then top that up with the odd conference talk or, or keynote talk or workshop or something, I think that would work for me. I would never have thought that. Um, that sort of would have been a bit of a nice to have before all of this but I think that's something that I've I've discovered I've discovered this next deeper level of of wonkiness which yeah I've just found I've, I've discovered a permission to just piss about yeah I think that's the thing that I will remember during COVID-19 in 2020 I discovered the my unyielding supportive permission to just piss about and make stuff hope that's okay for you Charlie and I hope you're well and take care and I look forward to seeing you at some point in the future hopefully later this year where we can cause mischief together and finally for edition one I have Rachel Kelly the mental health campaigner author and friend of the Mavericks podcast Rachel was actually the first person to come back to me and here she is sitting on her step in London with some of her family and her beautiful voice. Hello, right now I'm sitting on my front steps, looking out at the street, enjoying the sunshine. I'm with my family, so I'm with my husband Sebastian and three of our five children, Catherine, who's 20, and Charlotte and Arthur, who are 16, and yeah, what good do I think will come out of this mess? Well, I think this is a major reset and 
As someone who's worked in mental health now for quite a while, working as an ambassador for SANE and for Rethink Mental Illness, I think a lot of the strategies that we have been using running workshops and working with people who find life difficult have really come to the fore in this period. And there's an understanding that we need to look after our mental health and that this is an absolute priority. And the worrying times are going to go on and a lot of people are going to be facing lots of issues, restarting their lives, getting their jobs back, getting their businesses back into action, somehow trying to recreate their world. And I think in this period, the good thing that's going to come out of it is that we're only going to be able to do that if we prioritise our mental health in a new way. And as for something that I've discovered or started doing again in this period, well, I've always loved poetry and in the past I've tended to go deeper with poetry and gone for rather serious poems about adversity and overcoming it. But right now I'm really enjoying funny poems just for some light relief. And I think it's interesting this idea of light relief. I think we're drawn to the light as humans and actually we've seen that people being drawn to the light and all the amazing acts of generosity and kindness that have been happening. But I've been enjoying light relief in terms of poems as well. Um, Maybe there's one that's good for Charlie in Wales. It's by Christopher Logue and it's to a man, sorry, it's to a friend in search of rural seclusion. And it goes like this. When all else fails, try Wales. And one last thing that might help if poetry is not your thing. My most recent book is called Singing in the Rain and it's 52 Practical Steps for Happiness. It's a psychological workbook and I've had some very nice feedback that it's been something that people have found a comfort to fill in the exercises and try out all the psychological ideas. So, many thanks. So in order to keep things bite-sized, that is the end of part one of my Love in the Time of Coronavirus podcast. I will be doing another one tomorrow. And I'm very grateful to you for listening and to my friend, Jim Friend, as ever, for editing beautifully and for doing so, so quickly. Thanks very much. And I will speak to you or with you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.